All-Star Edition of the Fantasy Front Office Podcast. And now we turn to a live look-in with our own Phil there in Miami for the weekend. Hey, how's it going, guys? It was an amazing experience down here so far. About to head out to the Home Run Derby right now. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Prospects game that I went and saw yesterday. Um, It was pretty phenomenal. Uh, Brent Honeywell, I actually was sitting right behind his family. It was pretty awesome. I was talking to them during the game. Uh, They were all kinds of excited, obviously, about him throwing two innings, uh, four strikeouts, only one hit, and getting the win at the end of the game. He clearly has MLB stuff right now. Um, He's somebody that, if he is available, he's he's probably going to be up maybe, I would say, towards the end of the year because his numbers aren't that great this year. Other than his strikeouts and strikeouts walks, he's given up quite a few runs. Um, but he's just somebody that I would definitely target, uh, somebody to keep an eye on. High, high, high upside. Um, another high upside uh, was Michael Kopech versus uh, Yon Mankata. That was pretty awesome to watch, especially since the ump uh, bring him up on strike two, which was also yeah, just classic. Uh, I'll never forget that. That was pretty cool. Um, Kopech ended up with a strikeout, uh, obviously, of Mankata, and Mankata ended up two, uh, over two for the day. Um, huge upside for those guys also. Guy that... Uh, I was most impressed with as a hitter, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, He's a guy that I actually just picked up in the uh, podcast league that we are always talking about. Um, I know he's a few years away, but if you have a dynasty league, he's definitely someone that needs to be owned because he has middle of the order, uh, just elite upside, just like his dad was. So I would honestly even say that he has the potential to be maybe even a little better than his dad. So just keep that in mind um, if he is available. Um, A couple other guys, obviously, uh, you know, Acuna and Eloy Jimenez and and different guys like that. Brennan Rogers, they did very, uh, didn't do very well. Um, They're a few years away. Maybe they shouldn't really be in the game. Some say because they're just the upside guys that are the highest prospects um, that aren't necessarily the the closest to being, you know, MLB players kind of thing. Um, any questions about anything that, you know, I, I've done down here so far? I, I was watching the uh, one thing is I was watching the, uh, the celebrity softball players actually warm up before their game started. And it was pretty cool. I'm going to tweet out a bunch of pictures later, uh, probably when I get back from uh, the vacation. But uh, I have a picture picture of four hall of famers uh, all standing there around the batting cage uh, just chatting about baseball and it was pretty awesome as pudge rodriguez uh, andre dawson um, tim Raines, and god who was the other one uh, it doesn't matter there i'll see the picture later and i'll remember it but um chris rock or wait jamie fox comes over and starts signing autographed baseballs and he's just over there i got a long video of him just chatting about how they got me over here autographing balls what's going on did i i messed up and i'm signing baseball now um so it was pretty funny that was a pretty memorable experience my uh my cousin oh it was ricky henderson that's the other one that was part of that group um oh, my nice. cousin yeah 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 so it was it was big four big names like the big four guys that were in the game uh, itself i didn't actually stay for that him and i went out to south beach last night so that's a whole different story not for this podcast <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but anyways, so, uh, we were, yeah, I, we were just doing that and, uh, he was, he was there and my, my cousin likes to get autographs and different things like that, but wasn't actually anticipating them being that close. 
So we actually bought a baseball from somebody for 25 bucks, asked for a pen, asked for a pen. It was an actual major league baseball. So they really sell them for like 10 or 15 bucks anyways. Um, But anyways, asked for the baseball and and got Yvonne Rodriguez's uh, autograph. So that was actually pretty cool. And uh, they gave away uh, Pudge Rodriguez. I tweeted that out yesterday. Uh, Pudge Rodriguez bobbleheads at the game yesterday, which was pretty cool also. Um, overall, this weekend has just been amazing. I just got back from the beach. My brother and my cousin and my nephew were telling me how I uh, put on too much sunscreen because I didn't change color at all. And <laughs> I'm perfectly okay perfectly okay with that as a, as a very pasty person. So i <laughs> um, headed, headed out here in a minute to go to the Home Run Derby. But uh, other than that, this, this entire experience has been amazing. If you ever get a chance to, I, I know that it, it is you know quite the penny to get down to a different state and do something like that. But if it's anywhere remotely close to you, uh, I highly, highly recommend uh, going and doing something like that. I got tickets to the Futures game for, I think they were 25 bucks a piece. And we were in one of the rows that was pretty, pretty, very, pretty close. I got really good views of the players and it was, it was awesome. Those tickets are normally probably like 50 or hundred bucks for a normal game. So what are you looking forward to with the Homer and Derby tonight? Who's your favorite? We all know you got Sano in this. Um, and then any thoughts on the game tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, you know, I honestly have been just doing too many things down here, having too much fun. I didn't get much chance to think about who's actually going to win the Derby. Um, but I would probably have to go with, I think what everyone else is going to go with. And that's, uh, Aaron judge. He's just a man amongst boys right now. And he's just as hot as it gets. Um, he barely swings and the ball goes out. I think if he has a chance to swing at batting practice over and over, I think he's just going to destroy baseball. So, uh, I think he's the clear favorite tonight. Uh, maybe Stanton is uh one in one a kind of thing. Uh, but so with that, um, but the baseball, the game itself, uh, we actually have tickets that are in the front row in the outfield and left field. Uh, they're actually right behind the bullpen. So it's not really truly the front row, but, uh, um, if you guys get a left or there's a uh, fly ball to left field, look out for me and my brother and my cousin and my nephew. We're going to be jumping around doing some crazy stuff. So, uh, hopefully we get on TV. Sweet. Well, thank you for the live look in and we'll, uh, we'll be watching for you tomorrow. Perfect. You guys have a good one. Welcome back to episode 14 of the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of July 10th, the All-Star Week of 2017. And this week, and here in studio, is myself, Jeremy, and Keith. We had to put Todd on the DL again. Good old blisters came back. He's got that Rich Hill effect. Yeah. Well, I guess we're considered pretty much the Dodgers at this point, just rotating on the uh, DL. It could be worse. Definitely. Still have a winning record, though. Of course, yeah. Leading the division. Yeah, we're... We're running away with this thing. All right. Tonight's format is a little different. Since we're at the All-Star break, we are going to break down position by position our busts and our breakouts. So leading off tonight, Keith, let's go to first base. All right. So we've talked about it a little bit. First base was a position that we didn't expect to be as deep as it is. And looking up and down the, the position and what it's produced so far, it's been exactly the opposite. It's been pretty thick. Um, the breakout that I want to talk about tonight is going to be Ryan Zimmerman. Um, He was a guy coming into the season that had a really high exit velocity, but he didn't have the launch angle to produce what what we expect from him and what we've seen so far this season. So he's put it together so far. He's managed to hit you know, a, a kind of a jaw-dropping 19 home runs. He's batting 330, and he's done all that at a draft position, which was virtually undrafted in most leagues. So in ESPN, he's, you know, firm in the top 10, maybe top, uh, you know, six or seven right now in first base. And there's not really anything that I see in his numbers that I suspect for him to slow down. He's 
he slowed down a little bit. He's tapered off. He was number one in the player radar, I think, for the first 45 or you know 60 days, and he's not going to continue with that pace, and we don't expect him to. But I think he's going to be a top 10 second baseman for the second half, and so if you got him, you're definitely excited to, to hold on to him, and, and I wouldn't be selling high on Zimmerman. Now, some other breakout guys, because we, we tried to narrow this down, but we'll just go through and mention a few others. Obviously, Cody Bellinger. None of us anticipated him being up this long, let alone having all the at-bats that he's getting and the success. Um, another one you could argue is Justin Smoke, just tearing it up in Toronto right now. I mean, he's sitting at 23 home runs, a 294 batting average, and he's sitting right in league with most first basemen that are leading, like the top 15 first basemen in runs and RBI. So it's a it's a packed house in the top 15 for first base. And Smoke's a good, good guy to talk about too. He doesn't have the swing and miss that we've seen from him in years past. I mean, he's walking in an almost 10% clip. He's striking out less than 20% of the time. So when you consider the 20-plus home runs that he's hit, the 30-plus extra base hits, that's great production from his position. The scary thing about Justin Smoke, or the thing that was unexpected, was that he's 30 years old. We don't see very many 30-year-old breakouts in baseball, except for maybe him, Yonder Alonso. It's happened this year several times, especially at the first base position, when you combine him with Zimmerman, which has kind of, you know, been the reason why that position is so deep right now. Well, also, Mark Reynolds, you wouldn't anticipate that kind of breakout stats with, he's definitely not a spring chicken at all. I mean, we were pretty much on the the border of, is he even going to make the roster? There was a couple years, uh, you know, previously where Reynolds was, you know, pretty close to being out of baseball. So, a pretty good resurgence by him and again a guy that I think people have been discounting that that I'm not his strikeout rate has started to creep back up earlier in the season it was 22 percent and it's creeping back up closer to 30 but still his production's been great Um, he's cut the strikeouts in years past and he's on a good little pace right now so he's a guy that I think perception is still down on Reynolds but I'm happy to own him in the leagues that I do and and you know I've shopped him around to try and sell him high like you know you would expect people to do and there's no bites so I'm happy to keep my roster and continue to him producing there in Coors Field well definitely you you probably got him at a very cheap price considering all the other first basemen out there and a 284 batting average is nothing to to shake a stick at with with Mark Reynolds like this guy used to lead the league in strikeouts granted he may still lead the league in strikeouts no I think Sano I think Sano is going to give him a good little run <laughs> him or Gallo if Gallo gets the playing time he's definitely going to run away with it him or uh Keon Broxton there in uh in in my or uh, Milwaukee but no, I, I don't. I think he's made a significant stride to reducing the strikeouts, and he's done it and still been able to hold on to enough power. I mean, obviously, Coors Field is going to help him or anybody that oh, plays exactly. there. That's going to give him a 20 to 30% batting average bump automatically. Plus, he's got enough raw power to produce, you know, 30 plus home runs. We've already seen that early in the season. So, yeah, yeah I, I, definitely not a guy that I'm going to be selling high on. Uh, plus, I don't, I don't think the value is there in the market necessarily. So, um, a guy that I'm definitely going to hold on to. Well, here's a guy that we started out the box just out of his mind playing Eric Thames. Where is he? Like, it, has the real Eric Thames finally shown up? I mean, he's currently sitting on ESPN number 17 at first. Space, but his numbers are near identical to say Logan Morrison. Um, he has scored way more runs, but batting average wise, he's fallen off the map at 248. And just I, I think this is more in line with what we anticipated with him if you take out that first month. And it's crazy to think about the, the hot start that he got off to and the fact that he's number 17 right now in standard leagues for ESPN. That just kind of boggles my mind just because he had such a hot start, and you know, we didn't anticipate him continuing at this pace 
And it got to a point where, you know, a lot of the analysts were like, well, maybe he does continue. Maybe he does continue. And eventually he's tapered back off and he's become you know, a little bit, like you were saying, a little bit more of what we expect him to be moving forward. Um, he obviously made some adjustments there in Korea and has come back a much better major league hitter. Um, but he's he's not um, a top 10, top 20, top 30 draft pick like he was playing in the first uh, Oh, definitely days. not. Definitely not. All right. So Travis Shaw, yeah, we, he's kind of, he's up there. He's in a, he's a top five first baseman right now, but he's playing a lot of third base more. So let, we'll cover him a little later on that because first base for Milwaukee is Eric Thames. So, uh, who's the big bust at first base this year? Well, just based on ADP, I would probably say that the biggest bust is Miguel Cabrera, which sounds crazy when you say it. Um, but he was drafted in the t- you know second round, maybe even the end of the first round and his 264 batting average with 11 home runs, you know, stacked up against the rest of the home run pace that everybody's on just isn't going to give him enough production. That position is so thick that a 264 batting average, 11 home runs is going to put him, you know, we looked it up a couple weeks ago. It's you know, almost 30th in first base. When you can, you consider the other positions like Travis Shaw, third place, you know, that is eligible at first base and guys like uh, Murphy that are playing, you know, second and other positions that are eligible there. So, yeah, he's he's not ranked very very highly as far as first base goes. All right, so here are some names on ESPN in the player rater for first base. Tell me if they're higher or lower than Mickey. Daniel Descalzo. It can't be high. He can't be higher. No, he's lower. Okay, good. The injured Chris Davis, Cirrus. Um, I would say he's not higher. No, not higher. Jesus Aguilar. He's batting close to 300. Got nine home runs. Probably as, similar. As the backup. I would say he's he, he's not higher. He's actually the position behind Mickey. Like percentage points separate them. Miggy's sitting at 38 on the player rater right now for eligible first baseman. So you also have Tommy Joseph ahead of him. You have Mitch Moreland. You've got Joey Gallo ahead of him. So let's turn this into a quick name game just based on the player rater value in, in the first season or the first half of the season. So you got Miguel Cabrera ranked 38th. You're obviously not going to take 37th first baseman over Miguel Cabrera. No. So let's start with uh, number 20 on the player radar. Let's work our, work our way back towards the top, and let's see. You know, All right. I'll, I'll give you my feedback. You can give me yours. So number 20 is Trey Mancini. I'm taking Miguel Cabrera. Yes. Okay, Yonder Alonso. I'm taking Miguel Cabrera. Yes. Edwin Encarnacion. I'm taking Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. That one's kind of close, but I would lean Miggy on that. And, and part of the reason why, and we've talked about it a little bit, is that the, the numbers don't really trend in anything negative for for Cabrera. He's hitting the ball really hard. He has close to a 40% hard hit rate. Everything looks really good. There's nothing really that stands out that leads you to believe that he would be 38 no, in first base. No, and I actually dealt for him in our league because it's Miggy. Like, he's bound to break out. Um, but I, I don't know if, if he's gotten an injury that's lingering that's that's holding him up but that, that's kind of what we speculated on for for cargo right before he hit the dl was you know the the fact that he wasn't doing anything when he did make contact with the ball kind of led to some sort of speculation like yeah. what's lingering is it you know is it a lower body issue is it you know a shoulder whatever it was all right so let's just keep uh, rocking on here thames or myers you taking uh either one of those guys over him Ooh, uh, 
so we're talking next year drafting, correct? Or rest, just right rest now? Rest of season. Rest of season. Oof. I want to know what's wrong with Miggy. Like, I may take... Uh, Will, Will Myers is close for me. Yeah. That, I, I tend to be higher on Myers than I am with some other guys. And the stolen bases are what kind of pushes me over the edge, and especially well, in Roto Leagues. and it's youth. Like, he's, he's got the youth on him. And you know what's surprising is his runs and RBI production is still fairly good for a terrible hitting Padres team. <laughs> I mean, he's pacing right now, you know, 90-ish runs and 90-ish RBIs, you know, close to 20 steals and, and close to 30 home runs while batting, you know, 255 or, you know, 260. That's not going to hurt you in batting average. Yeah. So that one's close for me. The guy next, and actually from then on, it's pretty easy. So after Myers, it goes Freeman. I'm taking Freeman, even with the injury. Um, Justin Bohr, I'm taking Justin Bohr. Yeah. Did, did you see what he did during the home run derby there? Like, that was the most exciting round is that first round against him and Judge. Well, well by far. I think if you tuned in for that, you didn't, uh, you, you know, you got your money's worth. And, oh, yeah. And Bohr seemed like he was definitely enjoying himself during that uh that derby show so he he just got uh he got out hit by judge and and you know not uh not a knock against him i mean he ran away with that thing so um you got logan morrison eric hosmer rizzo abreu i'm definitely not taking hosmer over him i don't know i mean hosmer's out produced and, and done better than what i've expected in the first half and a lot of that's due to the batting average and and solid run production uh, 12 home runs is great but he hits so many freaking ground balls that it's like i, I just it drives me insane it's him and kristen yelich that i just i don't want anything to do with because if yeah. those guys aren't going to steal you 20 bases and they're going to hit 75 percent of the balls into the ground in this day and age what's their what's their ending stats going to be 20 home runs and seven steals with even with a 300 batting average that doesn't help you or anybody no that puts you middle of the pack at first base yeah it puts you i mean I, i'm surprised that he's at 11th I, I can't believe i think a lot of that's due to the uh the 49 runs that he's scored so far so yeah i, I would probably still put miggy close to 10th i think at first base even though he's ranked it's, 38th yeah it's probably right where he needs to be uh, in that 10 to 15 range because I mean Marwin Gonzalez is hitting out of his mind right now just racking up the RBIs there in Houston uh, unless some of these guys just taper off and fall off the map in the second half I don't I can't put Miggy ahead of some of these guys like that Myers is probably it's borderline for me he's not going to crack the top five as good as he is that top five is really really good oh, it's I mean impressive. you got you got Goldschmidt Votto you got Rizzo who's kind of underproducing you know Bellinger based on per plate appearance has been one of the best first basemen or best hitters in baseball to this point so he's not going to break the top five so he's got to be somewhere in that 10 to 12 range yeah definitely all right let's move to second base because first base is so stacked second base not so much right now so who who's our big bust for second base all right so the big bust for second base i mean if it's not jonathan vr then i I don't know what you're talking about right now yeah I, i definitely think it is so he was taken somewhere in the fourth or fifth round and he's been extremely frustrating to own this this point he's available in about 20 percent of leagues his stolen base production has dropped way off from last season he's only at 16 this year and my my opinion on him is if he's not going to steal you 40 bases he's really tough to own because the rest of his production his home runs were an outlier last year he's not continued at that pace and even the home runs that he has hit are kind of lucky yeah he's he's gotten a little bit lucky with his home run to fly ball rate i don't think it's sustainable so for him if he's not going to continue to steal you bases at a clip that's going to be you know top five in baseball he's kind of virtually unownable and i'm i'm kind of surprised to see that he's available or he's owned in 80 percent of leagues right now which makes him like in cbs leagues he's probably 100 percent owned in cbs and i just i don't see how that's possible but yeah but that kind of speaks to how bad that position has been you've had 
you know, some injuries. Obviously, the Trey Turner injury has kind of plagued that position. Segura, as good as he's been, has been injured for the majority of the season. And it's just kind of a, a tough deal. It's, uh, you know, you have Starlin Castro, who did really well. Peraza underperforming. Kipnis has been injured for a lot of the time. You know, the guy that really jumps off the page to me is Jose Ramirez. Yeah, but I kind of saw that coming. Like, it was kind of the talent was there to dominate more so. Not at second base. Yeah, at second base. He's been doing a lot more playing second and third base right now. So, I don't know. It's it's tough. He, he was drafted just barely about the 100 mark in, in really? most leagues. And you know what? I, I kind of I'm surprised by he, he was drafted that high. But I believe in everything that he's been doing so far. You look at his contact rate. You look at some of the the metrics for his approach, and everything is really, really impressive. The one stat that I saw today that, you know, I I was pretty kind of blown away by is... I think there was, let me give me a half a second to look it up here, but I think there's like 30, there's 29 qualified hitters in baseball that have less than 100 whiffs on the season. So they're qualified hitters. They probably have, you know, 200 plus at bats. Gotcha. So there's 29 of them that have less than 100 whiffs, less than 100 swing and miss hmm. on the season. And there's only one guy that has more than 17 home runs, and that's Joey Votto. He's got 26 home runs. Hmm. So quite a bit more than number 17. Guess who number 17 is? The next best person in that category is Jose Ramirez. Wow. And he's changed his launch angle. You know, he's one of those launch angle guys. He's kind of a late bloomer, you know, both in the minors and in the majors. He's never shown this type of power. But if you look at, you know, the launch angle combined with the exit velocity, it's not anything that's just going to jump off the page. But when you look at the possibility of him hitting, you know, I mean, he's 20, 17 right now, he's only 24. Yeah. The possibility of him hitting 30 home runs this year and stealing 20 bases while going well over 100 runs, coming close to 100 RBIs, maybe 90 RBIs, and still hitting 350 with the multi-eligibility that he has, he's extremely valuable. I got a, oh, yeah. I got a question on, on Twitter today where a guy asked me, do you trade in a dynasty league, do you trade my Josh Donaldson for somebody else's Jose Ramirez? Yes, yes. Can you hit that button quick enough? Yeah, see, you know what? And it was asked to, to myself and Justin Mason of Friends with Fantasy Benefits. So it was sent out to both of us and, and I... My response was, you know what? This is really tough. It's really tough for me because I still think Donaldson is a top third, you know, top three third baseman in the league. I know he's been, you know, pretty weak of late. He's kind of got that Miguel Cabrera effect, if you want to look at it that way, where nothing looks too daunting or or real problems, but he hasn't quite produced. And part of that's coming off of the injury. So I told him no, but I'm like, you know what? It's really, really close. And Justin chimed in and said, you know what? It's close, but I would probably say yes. And the more I thought about it today, and Justin's smarter than I am, just just for the record. (laughs) But the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? I actually would, would pull a trigger on that. Because I, I I own Donaldson in our Dynasty League. And if somebody offered me that trade right now with a, with a similar value, I would really think about it. And the steals is, it has something to do with it. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't expect Jose Ramirez to hit 332 and 30 home runs. Like, he's not Mike Trout. No. You know, some of, there's going to be regression to either one of those or both of those. The fact that he's, you know, at that pace is great, but he's not going to continue. Um, but I think I actually would pull a trigger on that deal. So that kind of lets you know where I am at on, on Jose Ramirez right now. Yeah, because uh, Donaldson right now is ranked 43 third at third base. Yeah, but a lot of that's driven by the at-bats. Granted, and that's also, you've got like Marwin Gonzalez, who's eligible at first, third, outfield in there. You've got a bunch of these multi-position eligible guys. Jose Ramirez, number one ranked at third base. So, um... One other guy that I'll I'll mention right now, and he's a natural, I guess natural is not the right word, but he plays the majority of his time at shortstop this season, but he's also eligible at second base 
is the Diamondbacks' Chris Owings. Um, he's made considerable adjustments, and he's one of those guys that is a dual threat when it comes to decent pop and pretty elite speed. He's only got 11 stolen bases to show on the season, but that's not a good representative of what he actually could do on the base pass. Right, he's got sneaky pop, which doesn't mean he's going to hit 30, but he'll get you that, that 15 to 25. He'll get you that 15 to 25, just uh, sneaky, sneaky. Like, he'll pull off a, a two-homer game every once in a while just out of the blue, and that'll boost that number right there. Yeah, and I think he's a guy that probably could hit 20 home runs and steal close to 30 bases. He's on a, a healthy 20-20 pace right now and going to score you know, probably about 85 runs and about 85 RBIs, meanwhile with a healthy healthy batting average. But he wasn't drafted almost in any leagues. I, I snaked him in a couple leagues as my last draft pick. Um, but coming into the season, some people were expecting Cattell Marte to take that shortstop job um, right. or or to share some time with Nick Ahmed. I actually, you know, being pretty close to the team here in Arizona, right. you know, I, I, I knew Owens was the best bet because he had the best bat out of the three of those guys. Now, speaking of Marte, Marte just, he's going to earn himself some additional playing time if he continues to play this way. And the odd man out in that lineup is going to be either Tomas, which had a setback and isn't expected back, you know, right away, or Drury, you know. Yeah, and Drury, he's a curious case because we discussed this earlier in the year. He hits well at home, but not on the road. And that, that kind of splits is going to hurt eventually. But then he decided to kind of change his launch angle and do some things to where it's sort of evened out, but he's not at the level where he was hitting. Uh, let's see, what's he doing now? He, 285. He's got, yeah, 285. He hit for a good, healthy batting average beginning of the season. And about a month ago, he went on, on air here in Phoenix and talked about you know, wanting to punish the baseball a little bit more and set him himself up to hit for a little more power and maybe led us to believe that, you know, hitting more fly balls or a launch angle change was in the future. Um, I don't know that he's but really... We haven't seen the results. No. His, his pop numbers haven't gone up. His BABIP has, though. Um, it's it's nothing huge, but it's trending up. Now, I do see... I, I can see Chris Owings going more to the outfield, filling in in the outfield, creating space for Marte at short, and Drury still at second, unless somebody beats out Drury so definitely somebody to keep an eye on I you know again I don't expect Chris Owings to do in 2018 what he's done in 2017 but that's no reason that he can't continue the pace that he's on right now I don't think he has necessarily the upside you know long term that some of these other guys do that are kind of breaking out this year right. but I definitely think that you know he can continue at this pace he's going to take a good healthy cut at 2020 and the, the run production in you know the the two or you know five hole for the Diamondbacks is going to give him a lot he's of RBIs. He's been cleanup also, yeah, just he, because he's getting healthy at bats. He, he's good. Yeah, he's going to protection. He's going to have a lot of counting stats there in that lineup, no matter where they place him. They're not going to put him, you know, in the six or seven hole. He's going to be batting, you know, either in the two hole, the four, or the five hole, and that's going to lend himself to a lot of stats. All right, so a sneaky second baseman, nobody seems to be talking about. He deserves some talk right now. It's Jonas Jonathan Shoot. The kid is he's like 24, 25. Like he's a young guy, natural shortstop, but he's been a second baseman batting 295 this year 18 home runs already doesn't have much in the speed department he's got zero steals so it's probably a mentality he just doesn't steal yeah and he's but, an interesting guy 
he's you know he's one of those guys that just he doesn't really like to take a walk. One of the interesting things on him is he's tied or really close to the the major league lead in infield fly balls, which was a stat that was held down by Rugnet Odor by like five or ten. Oh, in the fr- right. He had right. like eighteen in the first like forty five days, and then he he seemed to taper off. And actually, uh, Mookie Betts uh, I, I believe owns the the lead in that right now with twenty two. So um, you know, just kind of a weird stat, but something that uh, kind of points to what his attempt at launch angle is and how much he tries to put the fly ball um, into play. His walk to strikeout rate is so atrocious. <laughs> it's 25%. And that's just, it's going to put him in the bottom, you know, fourth of the league or the bottom, you know, 10 or 15% of the league. So not something that's real good. He, he doesn't walk. He strikes out over 20% of the time. The the home run production is there. Um, long-term sustainability, not somebody that I really believe in, but, you know, playing in Baltimore, you know, decent lineup, great ballpark. Um, definitely the home runs will be there. Yeah, definitely somebody to keep your eye on. Probably get him pretty cheap. And if he fits with everything else that you got going and you need those counting stats, throw a flyer on it. See what happens. Yeah, 87 uh, mile an hour average exit velocity. So league average. About league much. average. 18 degree launch angle. Uh, maybe a little bit higher than what you want to see. That kind of backs up what we were talking about as far as the infield right. fly balls. All right, let's move to third base. Uh, we already talked. Jose Ramirez, Travis Shaw, we've kind of touched on. Where, where are we sitting with our bust and our breakout on this? All right, so... My bust at third base. Obviously Donaldson. But yeah, it's definitely Donaldson based on the production that we've done. We've already talked about Donaldson a little bit. So let's see who else is. Uh, what about Kyle Seeger? Interesting. So Kyle Seeger is a guy that we talked about a little bit preseason too. And my my knock on Seeger is he doesn't excel in any one category. So those are the types of guys that I typically want to write off. We talked about Yelich. You know, we talked about right, some right. of those guys. In today's game, if somebody's not going to give you a combination of of 40 plus home runs and steals combined. So if he's, somebody's not going to give you, you know, 35 home runs and five steals or 35 steals and five home runs, if somebody's not going to give you close to, to 40 or 50 combined from those two stats, it's tough to own them if they're not going to hit like 330. Right. He's he's sitting pretty league average across the board. 248 average, 34 runs, 10 home runs, 47 RBI, but only with the one steal. Just doesn't support owning him at probably the price that you paid. And and the crazy thing is he's at 92% ownership right now. And I probably would take 23rd baseman. And this is going to sound crazy. I would probably rather 23rd baseman over Seager right now. Yeah. And and the batting average of 248 is just, it's brutal. Because if you're if you're not going to produce, and you know, not to beat a dead horse, but there's guys out there that are going to give you 20 plus home runs and 15 steals or 40 home runs and, and eight steals. And so, you know, what's the what's the ceiling for Seager this year? So he's at 10 home runs right now and one steal at a 250 batting average. He's not going to get 100 RBIs. He's not going to get 100 runs. So even if he goes on a tear and hits 15 in the next 100 games, not 100 games, 15 in the next, you know, 70 games or yeah. so, that's only going to end you at 25 home runs. Maybe he gets lucky and steals five bases. At a 250 batting average, that's not even, that's barely ownable in a standard league. Oh, definitely. I mean, you're picking up guys off waivers that that are doing that. I mean, I think Cody Bellinger did that in a week. Yeah, he did. <laughs> 10 homers in 10 games. All right, so a, a sneaky guy, I guess, in at third base. You can talk about Marwin Gonzalez. Like, I'm not a guy that I really believe in. What Anything that you see from him that you think is... No, other than the fact that he's going to be seeing pitches just based on the rest of that Astros lineup. Like, he's going to be getting hittable pitches. What? Well, let's do this. Let's, let's take a look at, like, numbers 15 through 20 at third base, and let's see 
who we would rather rest of the season. So let's start with your boy, Mike Moustakis. Sitting at number nine currently. Okay. And actually at the actual position, he's number seven, third base. All right. Well, let me just... All right. Moustakis at number nine. Let's go a little bit lower than that. So let's talk about... Eugenio Suarez. Would you rather Suarez or Longoria rest of the season? Ah, that one's tough. I'm. Mm, what is Longoria doing right now? So Longoria's got 12 home runs, 260 batting average. He's kind of in that same range that we just talked about with Seager. 260 right. batting average. He's got much better run and home or run and RBI production. You know, he's got the, the the close to 35 home run potential in him. You know, we saw that what he did last year. Yeah, with those two, I just flip a coin. Really, they're they're near identical stats. Longoria has just a slightly higher batting average, about eight more RBI. And and the thing that's surprising about those two players is they're both on kind of sneaky good offensive teams. Oh yeah. The Reds have been extremely well this year. The Rays led the home, you know, the, the majors in <laughs> yeah. home runs for a good portion of the season. Now they're being overshadowed by the Astros, which are on a freakish pace, but yeah, the, the Rays are a sneaky, really good offensive club. So run production and home run or RBIs would be great for those guys. What about a guy like Ryan Healy? Would you rather Longoria or Healy rest of season? Uh, I'd have to lean Longoria. I would I, agree with you, but which I think actually is an unpopular opinion. It, it is because he's 25, Healy's 25, and... He's slashing pretty good, but I just don't have the track record to justify keeping him over Longoria. And it's the track record, and again, the plate discipline for Healy just really freaks me out. He walks at a 3% clip, which puts him, you know, pretty close to the the very bottom of that that stat in the league. And a guy that that strikes out 25-plus percent of the time and only walks about 3% of the time, basically he refuses to take a walk. So opposing pitchers don't really have any need to pitch him anywhere close to the zone. And so for a guy like that, I just don't think he's sustainable at any type of home run production because there's no need for, for pitchers to groove him anything. They can just throw outside of the zone, you know, pretty regularly. And, and speaking of outside the zone, he swings at about 37% of pitches outside of the zone. Ouch. And he does make contact on it. He looks like he's a pretty good, a decent bad ball hitter. He makes contact on 85% of those pitches, mm. but, you know, it's not elite level. Just something that, uh, you know, I don't expect him to kind of continue with that, his, his pace. So, yes, Moustakas, yes, I would take him and I would ride him the rest of the season. Because coming in, into this year, it's coming off a bad injury, coming off a down season, and more than likely you got him dirt cheap comparatively. And he just seems like a model of consistency for me. I, I can I basically pencil him in for another 15 home runs the rest of the season. Oh, so he's going to end at about 40 home runs. You know, he's one of those guys that's benefited from a, a different launch angle. Um, he's going to come close to 100 runs, close to 100 RBIs, and still hit for a you know a healthy batting average. So he's a guy who I just think is extremely consistent. Well, there's also the chance that Kansas City may sell off and move Moustakis, Hosmer, um, pretty much half their lineup could be gone. And more than likely, these guys would benefit from a better lineup as well. Yeah, he's not going to be acquired anywhere and, and be a bench player. He's somebody who's going to start oh, anywhere he goes in, unless he gets traded to, you know, Baltimore or, you know, something like that where he's sitting behind. And if he goes to Colorado, he's going to find a new position because he's not playing for right. Nolan Arenado or something like that. But he, he's going to get, if he gets traded. And I think actually he's a guy that's going to survive. I don't think that they're going to move him. You know, we talked about today as far as the, the home run guys who are in the Derby with their strikeout rates. You know, he's got one of the better strikeout rates from all the guys that competed today. So and he's surprisingly, he's like 28 years old. Oh, yeah. He, he's not. It seems like he's been around forever. It, it does seem. Somebody said that on Twitter today. It's like, man, it seems like Moustakas has been around for, for quite a long time, which which I agree. When I, when I kind of tweeted that out today, I didn't think that he was. 28 seems a little bit uh, young, but 
out of all the guys that competed in the home run derby today, he's got the best strikeout rate at 17%. Wow. So out of the eight guys that competed today, and I'll just rattle this off real quick, you know, Moose had a strikeout rate of 17%, Blackman at 20%, Justin Bohr at 21%, uh, Giancarlo Stan at 24% is pretty good for the amount of power that he produces. Right. Under 25, you know, that's okay. Bellinger is striking out at a 29% clip. Um, you'll kind of forgive that with based on the production that he's giving you, but it kind of leads you to believe, you know, what kind of, you know, uh, streak he could uh, he could go on here. A judge at 30%, which if you remember, beginning of the season, he was at a 22% strikeout rate. So, which means since then, since the last, you know, first 45 days, he's probably been closer to a 35% strikeout rate. Oh, right, to average out. Which is not good. It, I mean, 40% is 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 atrocious. The only, the only 40% that I've seen this year is Jake Lamb against lefties, so. <laughs> right. Uh, Miguel Sano, speaking of terrible strikeout rates, Miguel Sano is twice the strikeout rate as Moustakas has at 35%. Jeez. Also third base eligible. Exactly. So yeah, definitely, uh, I, you know, that's the that's the part for me that I think he's going to be extremely consistent. I think he can hit for a high batting average. I don't think he's going to hit 50 home runs. He's at 25 right now, which is incredible. If he gives you 15 more the rest of the season and hits 275, you're going to take it all the way. Oh, definitely, definitely. All right, let's move on to shortstop because they're fairly shallow. I absolutely hate shortstop. <laughs> I just, if we could just create a league that eliminated shortstop, except for like the top five. So you get, either you get one of the top five shortstop or you just pass on the position because wow. it's it's awful. I just, obviously you have the studs up top and you know, we lost Turner recently in that mix. But that's still number one at the position. <laughs> and may hold it down for, you know, a few more weeks with how many steals he had. Um, he was on a, a quite a tear there for a while. Granted, Andreas and Correa are both putting up pretty nice numbers comparatively. Correa just doesn't steal. He's batting 325, 62 runs, 20 home runs, 65 RBI, zero steals. I mean, that's totally a candidate for that. You got to have the mentality to steal. And he's one of those guys that you have to just give him a pass because he's going to produce at the rest of the, the offensive category. So he's going to give you a healthy batting average. He's on a team right now. He's got he's pacing over 110 RBIs and, and runs, which is going to be close to the lead league in both of those. I mean, somebody, I think Judge right now has 75 runs scored, which is... <laughs> Just stupid. But, I, you know, I would bank on Correa scoring more runs rest of the season than Judge, you know, just based on that lineup. And, you know, Judge can't do this forever, right? Uh, we were, we've been saying that since, like, the first month, so... Yeah, so, I, again, Correa is one of those talents that, you know, I can deal with a zero in the steal category because the rest of the production across the board is going to be very elite, if not, you know, borderline best in the league, so... Uh, but really the guy that I want to talk about is Elvis Andrus. So he's been a breakout this year and, you know, we talked about, and I've put some polls up and stuff on him as far as his home run production. He, he got off to a hot start. He's kind of slowed down a little bit recently. Um, I guess maybe he hasn't. He's hit four he's home hit runs in the last, uh, what? 10, 12 days. Yeah. So he's on a good little stretch. Um, I, I think he's going to end the year close to 18 home runs. So I, I think the pace that he's on, which will be a new record for him by far, but if you go back to the end of last season, he started to make adjustments to his fly ball rate uh, or his ground ball to fly ball rate about maybe the, the midpoint in last year. So it's been an adjustment that's kind of a long time coming. Um, he's a he's a quick enough guy in the base paths that, you know, 30 plus steals is not out of the question at all. He's got 20 steals on the season right now. He's got, you know, 50, 50 runs and 50 RBIs to go along with his 11 home runs. 
One of the things that he's doing, and I don't think it's necessarily a launch angle thing. It is because obviously his ground ball to fly ball rate has changed significantly if you go back two but years. isn't it more of a line drive? You know, the thing that I found in the numbers is he's pulling, he's just pulling a lot more pitches. And so he's selling out to, to his pull uh. side. And it's giving him just enough pop because he's not an exit velocity guy. No, no, no. But he's selling out for power, not in a fly ball sense as much. Huh. He's doing that. But really, what when you look at the numbers, pulling the crap out of the ball. He's pulling, and he's just, what he's doing is he's blitzing fastballs. Oh, yeah. He's guessing fastball, and I dug really deep. I did a profile on him, you know, probably 20 days ago or so. And that's what I found. I found he was pulling the ball at a, at a higher rate than he'd ever done in the past. One of the things that I found interesting on him is his increased pull percentage was opening him up to have a really bad swing and miss on anything that moves. So <laughs> curveballs, he had like an 8% whiff rate in his career, and he was whiffing on like 20% of curveballs this year. And wow. so to me, that means that he's out on his front foot. He's he's oh, trying yeah, to ambush. Way early. He's way out early, and he doesn't have the time to adjust huh. because he's trying to get his bat head out in front. And when you see that 82 mile an hour bender, yeah, he just doesn't have a chance to react. And the thing is, is it's not just curveballs. It was anything that moves. So sliders, again, he was like a 10% well, whiff rate for his career. Up, she pulled a string on it. 18%. So anything that wasn't just grooved, wow. he was having a really hard time connecting with. So, you know, part of me was like, you know what? I think he can continue. Obviously, if pitchers continue to give him fastballs, he's going to continue to hit a few of them out. Um, I'm, I'm surprised. And I'll have to dig a little bit deeper into the numbers here in about 30 days to see if his pitch selection has changed. You know, if somebody else has kind of seen what I saw. Well, and also see if maybe the shift begins taking effect. If teams start shifting harder on him or if he's going to have to adjust and begin hitting things to the opposite field. Yeah, I, I, I kind of expect the average to go down just based on how many balls he's pulling. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a regression candidate for sure. So if I had to guess, I think he ends the season at about a 270 batting average. He probably has close to 100 runs. I would say 17 home runs, about 85 RBIs, which is a pretty big drop off from where he's at right now. Right. But he's never been an RBI guy. No, but guys in Texas are getting on base for him, and we're hitting the summer months. That's true. There's a lot more opportunities for him. And probably 35 steals, which is 15 steals. He could easily steal 20 bases. Easily. Easily. In the next, I mean, he's one of the guys that could go on a, a 20 steal pace in you know 40 or 80 you know 40 or 60 games kind of like Trey Turner did that one that one time oh, so right. he, he's got definitely the ability to steal bases and, and the pop is definitely an added bonus so all right now we have to get to the outfield because obviously one of the candidates is Judge Judge has just blown everyone out of the water right now that home run derby the second round he hit three consecutive balls over 500 feet all of his 11 or 12 home runs that round none of them were barreled which means he was popping everything up and it was leaving the yard and, and you got to give some credit to that stat i think it was mlb barrel alerts was yeah came up with that stat so definitely give him a follow guys he's got really good stuff that comes out as far as the the pitcher barrels um, and the hitter barrel so um yeah it, he's just got the raw power when it comes to exit velocity and the guy's like goliath size six seven two eighty and bellinger was talking about on the on the the derby tonight he's like i'm two 210 pounds yeah you know and he's not a small guy by any means he's a tall guy but you know, young kid at 21 years old. Judge has got 80 pounds of muscle on him. Well, 80 they, pounds of muscle. ESPN put out a graphic today. They were like, 
Yeah, here is Aaron Judge compared to the top three NBA draft picks, and he just dwarfed all of them. And it's just, he's a freak, and it's working. As long as he's putting the bat on the ball, most of his most of those home runs in the second round, they were launch angles of 24 to 41. Which is really not something you want to see no. from anybody other than him. All right. Or about three other guys. Because Stanton, maybe? Stanton... You would probably put Snow in that category. Yeah. Although, man, seeing the three of those guys hit tonight, it's not close. No, it's night and day. It's not close. If you see what Judge can do with the baseball, and, and Sano had the average exit velocity lead for, I think, most of the season to this point. And I think it's just recently been passed by, yeah. by Judge. But we, if you look at those guys like round by round with what they were doing with just, I mean, it's just a, a grooved baseball, but look at what they're doing. It's not even close. No, you're sitting at like a, a BP fastball of 70, maybe. Maybe 70, yeah. 70, 75. And they're still putting exit velocities upwards 115. of 119 with Judge a couple times, but averaging the 110 to 115. And it was just insane watching that. And granted, this, this field was stacked this year. Whereas yeah, they, they, in they, years they, past it's been pretty lopsided. They put a good product on the field this year and I you know it, it was fun to watch. We watched it here uh, here live and and they definitely put on a good show, you know, Stanton, not Stanton, Judge ran away with it, and uh, as he should, because, you know, he just, it, it's just not close. No. What he's doing with the baseball versus what these other guys are doing, and you're talking about some of the most prolific home run hitters in baseball right now, and I think if you had to stack up, you know, one of the tweets that I put out today, you know, half joking, about an hour and a half before the show, was Stanton or the rest of the field. and Judge or the rest of the field. Correct. Judge or the rest of the field. And I didn't think that it was going to be as close as it was. Um, I actually thought that, that Judge was going to run away with it. I thought that, you know, he was my pick, and, and I thought that I was kind of being lame by picking him, but it was 60-40. You know, we got up close to 200, 300 wow. votes. And 60% of the people said the field. And I'm like, I just... I was one of those guys that said the field. I said, you know, all it takes is one bad round. And, I mean, once you get past the first round, all those guys are dog-tired. And, and the reason why I think I had Sano and Judge in the final round is because those guys do have probably the best raw power. I mean, Stanton, obviously, is in that, in that group. Right. Um, you know, so Stanton's probably a above Sano as far as raw power goes. But those guys have a lot of swing and miss. In real baseball, they have to worry about missing the baseball. Oh, yeah. In the home run derby, they don't have to worry about missing the baseball. They're just worried about, do I hit it 400 feet or 500 feet? And Judge hit it 500 feet. Consistently. Like a pretty, yeah, on a a pretty regular basis. Um, Who else in the outfield has just been a breakout? Like, Ozuna's been great. Uh, Springer has finally put together a season that we've been waiting for. And you know what? It's kind of against what I expect or expected. Um, He's obviously got the raw talent. He was a top prospect coming up several years ago. And he was one of those guys that that benefited from the buzz when he was brought up by the Astros. I remember, you know, I ran out and picked him up as quick as I could in some standard leagues. And, and you know, he did okay the, the first little bit. And he's a guy that I wish he would just steal some bases. He had 35 steals in the minors in 2000, I think 2013. And he has the speed. He got, I think he stole two bases a couple of nights ago. And MLB Network was talking about him passing you know, uh, I can't remember who he passed on the Astros, but, you know, two steals put him ahead of, like, you know, two or three players in the Those team. Those are the only steals he has this year. He has the ability to steal 20 bases. He just, him and Machado drive me insane because, 
you know, both have proven they can steal bases and they just refuse to. So as owners of, of both of those guys at different points in their career, it's like, man, we, same thing with Arnado. If Arnado would steal, you know, 12 bases, he would be considered one of the best players in fantasy. Oh, right. But because he steals no bases or an accidental base, he's, just, he's capped. He's capped at the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round. And for me, going into the next season, I don't really want to pick him because I need somebody that's going to produce like his teammate, like Blackman. Oh, I need somebody that's definitely. going to produce in 20-plus deals. You know, and, and that's why I've, I've benefited from owning Goldschmidt in, in several leagues this year is because, surprisingly, he's going to steal bases regardless of his you know dwarf-like speed. And he's just going right. to get out there. He's and, just and, smart. And, yeah, he's just going to get out there and run on guys. So I mean, even even Harper, I mean, he's just otherworldly, otherworldly right now, but only has two steals. Um, the two breakout guys that I'll, I'll kind of touch on briefly is Domingo Santana um, and the other guy is Corey Dickerson. So Corey Dickerson is a guy that I highlighted – um, in one of the profiles uh, a few weeks ago, he's kind of a weird guy. He's, he's a tough guy to pin down. He swings at close to 50% of the pitches outside of the zone. Like he, Almost 50, half the balls that he sees, he swings at that are outside the zone. But he makes contact on like 85% of them. So he's like a legitimate good ball hitter. So he's very aggressive. He swings at more pitches than almost anybody else in baseball. So he's like top five and just aggressive. But he's one of the few guys that in digging into the numbers, I kind of believe him. I think that he can continue to do what he's done regardless of his just kind of freakishly weird plate discipline. Really? I, I don't see that. Um, I, I ended up selling high on him uh, about three weeks ago just because I saw the beginning of of his on-base percentage downtrend. Yeah, and he's not going to be, you know, I mean, he's he's lacking in power since that point. Um he's not he hasn't hit a home run in 10, 12, 13 games. Uh, RBIs have slowed down. Granted his runs are still he's still a run most games. Actually, he hasn't scored a run in July yet. And he only has four hits in July. I I don't know. Yeah, I, I again, I I wanted so bad based on some of the weird fluky things in his approach. I wanted so bad to kind of knock him and to say, "You know what? Traditionally, I would say in fact, when I before I dug really deep into the numbers, I'm like 50 percent out, you know, ozone swing percentage. Absolutely not. This guy can't continue this pace. <laughs> and I wanted to write him off. And the more I dug in, I'm like, you know what? This guy's actually just a really good bad ball hitter. I mean, he's not a Vlad Guerrero, but he's one of the few guys in baseball that I think actually could succeed at his kind of fluky, weird mentality. So I asked a couple of other industry guys. Um, you know, what they thought after I kind of dug in and, and the response that I got was, yeah, and what we found, he does sound like one of the outliers. He's the exception to the rule as far as plate discipline. And so one of the things that I've had to kind of check myself on um, in, in the last, you know, four, four to six months is try not to automatically write guys off just because of, you know, there are guys that can succeed at close to a 35 to 30%, you know, strikeout rate or <coughs> judge, um, or guys that can hit for a decent batting average that swing at just garbage pitches. And I think Dickerson is one of those guys. The other guy that I'll talk about real quick is a guy that I, I picked up as probably my last pick in a lot of leagues. Um, I kept him in another league too, was Domingo Santana of the Brewers. Oh, for sure. He is one of those guys that I thought was worth a flyer based on just his power speed combo, the fact that he plays in Miller Park, and that's a sneaky good offense there for the Brewers. So he he, he kind of got off to a slow pace, and I'm surprised that he's not owned in more leagues. I keep looking at his ownership percentage, and as of a week ago, he wasn't even owned in 50% of leagues. Really? And, and it shows right now, I think based on the player rater for Granted, ESPN. He's, he's playing in a market market in Milwaukee that doesn't get a lot of play but Grant, right. with as with as well as they were doing they should have been getting more talk 
but he's right now he's 11th on the player rater in ESPN wow. for outfield number 11 for outfield that's pretty impressive which puts him by my my calculations ahead of Bellinger ahead of Dickerson ahead of McCutcheon behind Stanton behind Hamilton behind Betts hmm. and he's owned at 50% of leagues Jeez. a lot of that's driven by the steals but it is steals yeah, steals is a big what, portion 20? of 29 he's got 9 he's got 9 steals 15 home runs 291 and he's sitting right there at 50-50 for runs and RBIs he's only 24 oh yeah he's he's definitely got some like in dynasty leagues i own him in like i said i play in the majority of dynasty leagues and i own him i drafted him in two and i kept him in two i think and so i own him in like four of seven leagues that i'm in this year wow and so he's a guy that i just continue i didn't drop him in any leagues because he got off to a little bit of a slow start but i'm definitely benefiting from what he's done probably the past 45 days so a rebound candidate here in the outfield andrew mccutcheon is he back he is batting 294 17 home runs six steals but i mean he's 50 runs 50 rbi yeah and i have to eat crow um i don't know how much i talked about it in the off season definitely a little bit we i think we all do because we we all kind of saw this like two-year downtrend, and I, we kind of thought that was the end for McCutcheon. It looked like it. And you know what? He bounced really hard back there in June. He was probably oh, the best hitter in baseball in June overall. And, and he had an OPS that was like almost over 1,200 for the month of June. He, he, I believe, and there's been some stuff written on Fangraphs and some other sites recently um, if, I, if I read the pieces, I would give a little bit of credit, but I haven't. But the majority of what I'm hearing is he's back. I, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, he's he's back to 2013 form almost. And the question, you know, he's kind of getting dwarfed by some of the other, you know, I'm <laughs> talking about Aaron Judge and, <laughs> and what he's, um, we're, gonna, we're getting paid to, to say Aaron Judge every time on the podcast today. So I uh, just want to let you know that, you know, we get a dollar for every time we say his name. So uh, we talk about, you know, Aaron Maybe Judge. Maybe a nickel. Maybe a nickel. A, a nickel. Yeah, a dollar's too much. We talk about Aaron Judge, just the Google trends that you see, you know, for him versus guys like Mike Trout. And so, you know, guys, you know, rebound candidates like McCutcheon, where he was the face of baseball or close to it. Oh, yeah. He was in in the talk. In the MVP season where he beat uh, Paul Goldschmidt by, you know, a few votes or whatever it was, you know, he was kind of the face of baseball for a little bit there. Uh, Maybe it was maybe it was Miguel Cabrera and then got handed off a little bit to him before Trout kind of broke onto the scene. But, no, he's he's definitely, you know, not even really being talked about for having a, a really heck of a season. But. Those other guys that are getting a lot of screen time, um, that you know, because they're hitting 70 home runs this year. All right, so Judge isn't even leading in RBIs this year. Um, looking at outfield, you've got Ozuna, who's got 70 RBI so far. And granted, their their franchise is going through a little bit of a management change here soon. They've said they're not selling their guys. Like they've got a bunch of young arbitration pre-arb guys that they're going to try to keep around and be a solid core for a while. What about sneak? Nelson Cruz, who also has 70 RBIs and has 40 less at-bats. Cruz has been one of my godsends that I've kept, especially in our league. I just couldn't ever justify giving him up or not keeping him. He's just consistent. And having Segura there setting the table before him and out of nowhere, Ben Gamble. I looked at his stats the other day in in one of the leagues and I looked at him I'm like, this guy is a qualified hitter and he's hitting what, like 335 or something. Uh, it, I, I couldn't believe something, I at think. the batting average that he was holding. Now it's a little bit empty, but I couldn't believe at the amount of bats that this guy has had at the batting average that he has had and the lack of attention that he's getting. Oh, but, for sure i didn't even realize until late that he was even playing really so real quick back on cruz cruz is a sneaky just offensive monster he's got 70 rbis in the season 
you know, again, I pulled numbers about two or three weeks ago. And if you look at batted ball events, which is the stat cast way of looking at how many, you know, how many hits they recorded the exit velocity and launch angle for. Oh, right. If you looked at guys that had more than 100 batted ball events like three weeks ago, um, guys like Judge and Sano wouldn't have qualified. It's kind of just like a... Uh, kind of a luck-based thing where they right. couldn't capture all of the hits or something like that. So they didn't quite get all the batted balls. But Nelson Cruz had more than 100. And so he would have led baseball if there was some type of qualified you know, thing in there, kind of like at bats and stuff like that. So if you looked at guys that had more than 100 batted balls, Nelson Cruz was leading baseball in exit velocity at the age of 38. Right, just out of his mind right now. And, and you think it, he's kind of got the David Ortiz effect to him to where we're, we're oh, kind of sure. We're like, man, he's got to fall off. He's got to fall off. He's got to fall off. Ortiz comfortable. Had, Ortiz almost led the league in, in slug last year for the majority of the season. And wasn't it a year or two before that he nearly led the league in batting average? So I, I think Cruz is one of those guys where, you know, if you're making a run in a dynasty league, target this guy. If you, you know, if you can sell, you know, a young cheap asset that you you have to make a run right now. Oh, right. He's going to be consistent this year. He's probably going to shock the world and hit another close to 35 or 40 home runs next season. At age of 39, like who knows how long this guy can go, but I'm not going to count him out at this point in his career because he's been too consistent. You know, the exit velocity is there. He's just too good. And, well, and, and limited playing time this year. It's the same with Miggy. Like, they're getting up there in age, but they're just consistent. And so you're going to ride it until they actually fall off the cliff or until they decide to, well, you know, David Ortiz this thing and retire anyway. Just the farewell tour kind of kind of thing. Where are we sitting with a bust in the outfield? Or are there a few candidates that really just kind of jump off the page at you? Well, looking at busts in the outfield. I mean, you can't exactly consider Puig bust can you? I'd like to. I know we all want to. Granted, he's a Dodger, so animosity is there, but to be be totally honest, I I really consider myself pretty fair-minded when it comes to, you know, looking at players and judging players. Um, You know, I I am a Diamondbacks fan. I do follow the team more than anybody else. You know, my wife is probably the bigger Diamondbacks fan in the house because she only follows the Diamondbacks. So when I'm talking about that, yeah, yeah, when I'm talking about other other teams, she's like, you're talking about the Dodgers? Like, is Corey Seager really that good? And I'm like, yeah, Corey Seager's really that good. She drags you to games. She, yeah, she definitely does. So if you're talking about a bust in the outfield, um, you know, can, can you mention Starling Marte? <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, self-inflicted. Yeah, self-inflicted on that one. Um, Cespedes, with his injuries, has been atrocious. Yeah. Um, I, I want to bring up Christian Yelich because everybody knows at this point that I just don't like Christian Yelich. <laughs> Uh, I would say definitely you're talking about Gregory Polanco. Oh, so the for sure. biggest bust in the outfield for me has got to be Polanco. Um, you know, he's been dropped in close to 50% of leagues at some point this season. He was a, a top prospect probably, what, two or three seasons ago. And he's another one of those guys who, you know, he just hasn't put it together yet. Now, he, he's got eight home runs, eight steals on the season, which is great. He's given you some sort of, you know, home run and steal production. Yeah. But I don't think he's a 30 home run guy, and I don't think he's a 30 steal guy. Definitely not living up to potential there. No, and he's not somebody that I'm, you know, I've seen him traded a lot in Dynasty Leagues this year. And I don't really want any part of that. I'm, I'm not buying low on him. And if he's a guy that I own, I don't think you can necessarily sell right now because you're not going to get the value out of him. No, like, you can't. If somebody still believes, then yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to sell him. But 
he's been probably one of the major disappointments this year. Well, I mean, I'm I'm going through the player radar right now, and I'm down into the the 60s with JD Martinez, which really doesn't suit that because he's been having a great year since he came off the DL. Yeah, he's missed a lot of time, and he is when he's right, he's one of the best hitters in baseball. When he is on and everything's clicking, and we saw that when he first came off the DL. The problem with him is. You know, some of the the medical staff around baseball and some of the analysts have speculated on that injury as being a lingering one. And he's actually came back and said, look, this is not an injury that's gone. He actually came out in the media, I think it was two weeks after um, coming back off the DL. And he's like, no, this is something that's going to bother me the rest of the season. Now, you know, right before he came back and and made me kind of like a fool because he hit like four home runs in five games or something stupid because I came out and told everybody, hey, week first first week off the DL. He came off the DL and everybody's kind of tweeting at me saying, hey, what do you expect? I'm like, you know what? Kind of temper your expectations. It sounds like his injury is going to linger. He goes out and hits four or five home runs, make me look like a fool. And it didn't seem like it bothered him, but it's still, it's something to kind of monitor because that injury is not going to necessarily go away. Yeah. I mean, he's sitting at 14 home runs right now, a 299 batting average. So the production's going to be there. Um, Matt Kemp is still in the discussion. 293, you know, 12 home runs. You know, who's kind of been, uh, obviously been a disappointment this year is Kyle Schwarber. Oh yes. <laughs> and he, he's back with the major league club. Um, looks like he's, you know, doing okay. Um, so he's, you know, definitely expect him to, to improve on that 178 batting average. Oh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, he'll probably get up in the 200s here sometime in the next uh, six or eight weeks. Um, he's not a guy. We've kind of uh, talked about him a little bit, and Phil's talked about him quite a bit. He's not a guy that I'm excited about in any format. He, you know, we talked about the the guys that don't steal. You know, Kyle Schwarber at 267 is not going to get out there and no. steal you any bases. Um, I don't see a path for him to gain eligibility at, at catcher in leagues other than CBS. Right. You know, which is like a five. I think he maybe maybe he already qualifies, I think, at catcher at Yahoo coming into the season. I think he may have. So I, I think he can gain eligibility in CBS, which maybe that changes a little bit because catcher is basically hot garbage. Yeah, speaking of catcher, we, we definitely need to double back on that one. Yeah, we don't really have to if we don't want to. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't stand the catcher position. But, uh, yeah, Schorber's been a complete bust this year. His power's been there, but it hasn't even been at an impressive power number. I think he's actually been lucky. I think his 13 home runs oh, this season. a lot season, of his have been. I, I think they've been kind of cheap shots, and I don't think that he necessarily has you know, the numbers to back up what he's done. So if you consider his you know sub-Mendoza line batting average – his weak playing time and the fact that the Cubs don't even really believe in him to to outshake his yeah. slump, he's not somebody that I'm buying in on. I guess you could take a flyer on him in some deep dynasty leagues, but I'm not going to be that guy. No, I would not be buying anything other than super low, like trading bench players for him at this point. And, and if he's dropped, I guess, in some leagues and you have, uh, you know, uh, you're talking about stashing a, a minor league prospect. Uh, I know some some guys have talked about, okay, well, if you're stashing minor leaguers, let's say you're stashing Lewis Brinson, you're, you're stashing Yuan Moncada or several other guys that are down in the minors right now, um, would you be stashing Kyle Schwarber? You know what? I don't expect, you know, I'm one of the outliers in, in the industry probably that doesn't expect big things from Moncada when he comes up, if he comes up. Ah. So maybe you do stash Schwarber, you know, in, in a situation like that where you're stashing, you know, Reese Hoskins, which I do think actually oh, yeah. I, w- I would take Reese Hoskins over Kyle Schwarber like any day of the week, even For if sure. Kyle Schwarber is up right now but you know in, in a league where you're stashing minor leaguers like that maybe you do take a flyer on Schwarber if he's dropped but I'm not targeting him and losing any assets to acquire him definitely any other outfielders that kind of jump off the page at you that we need to discuss no um, I think we talked about how much I hate Kristen Yelich so if you're a <laughs> Yelich guy go ahead and uh, tweet at me fantasy underscore Keith and you can tell me how much you love him but uh, 
Yeah, not uh, not on the the Yelich bandwagon. All right, we got to touch on catchers. I know you hate it. <laughs> All right, well I'm gonna I'm gonna turn my mic off for a few minutes and let you uh, talk about catchers. Uh, well, pretty much the bust is Jonathan Lucroy. I, I don't know if he's gonna ever get right this year. There's there's talk he may be traded and maybe a change of scenery will help him, but. I, I don't know. There's not much else catcher-wise. Bust. I mean, Matt Weeders has been doing relatively nothing, and it was anticipated that he'd come in and see a bunch of good pitches, uh, and he's done nothing with it there in Washington. Yeah, who, who's the number one player in... Uh, at catcher? At catcher. Salvador Perez. All right, so Salvador Perez is not in the top 50 in player rater on ESPN. So where do you think the number one catcher ranks overall at ESPN? Oof. I'm not there yet, so I'll give you a chance to kind of... Where do you think he ranks? Ah, Salvador Perez. Tom, probably 85. Then again, I could see a lot of people picking Gary Sanchez over Perez at this point. Well, no, I can see that. I think I would rather Sanchez, Posey, you know, a couple other players over Perez. He's had a great season. And actually, I own Perez for like the last four seasons. Um, in our right. in our main league, so he's not a guy that I'm down on. I just um, I think I would rather several guys over him. So now, all right, well I'm in number 100 and I don't see him so far. Well, wow. so he's not in the top 100. So the top catcher is not even the top 100. Huh. And let's see, I am at 150, <laughs> and I don't see him. So what's his player rater value for the season? Come on, you uh, player rater value. Help let's me out see. here. Uh, average draft position 177. Well, what's his player rater like value? What's he done for 2017? 5.13. 5.13. So that puts him about a hundred and something. Hmm. Yeah, that puts him just outside the top 100 as far as value. So again, that that kind of speaks to what my hmm. approach is on catchers. And I know there's exceptions to this rule. You know, in two catcher leagues, you. You know, you have to pay for a certain catcher level, but I don't want any. I, I've had um, Darno as my catcher in our main league the entire season. I know you have, including when he was injured. Right, and you just left him in. I just left him in there. There's no negative stats at that point. <laughs> exactly, because I think at a certain point, and if I had more energy or more fab money, I probably would be, you know, shifting guys in there each week. But my thought process honestly was, I think Darno at the end of the season, leaving him in that spot the entire time, I think he is a top ten catcher. He's not gonna. Hurt hurt me in on base percentage, which he kind of has at this point. But I'm still in first place in that league. And I didn't yeah, invest more than a dollar in my catcher position. And if you invested in Sanchez and Lucroy, in Posey, even in Salvador Perez at some point, you don't even have a top 100 player right now. So for me, you know, I, I kind of want to punt. I just want to punt catcher and, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I don't really I don't really want to own them. I just think that they're kind of, it's kind of a wasteland in in, in, in shallow leagues. Like, so you're talking about points leagues. In points leagues where there's not five outfielders, there's three outfielders, there's not as many like utility spots or something like that. Like I understand that has more of a value to it. So like in in Yahoo leagues, I think are, are primarily that way. Catchers have more of a value, but there's also a looser eligibility ranking for those guys. Right, so guys right. like Schwarber have the eligibility. So that's a little bit different. But in, in most leagues, you can get away with kind of rostering anyone from like the eighth to 15th best catcher, and it's not really going to hurt or help your team. Right. Just average pos- position uh, statistics at that point. I mean, it's going to be pretty basic between 6th and 18th pretty much all right uh starting pitchers this is something that's been you know pretty exciting i think there's four guys that i've been talking about as i guess breakouts at starting pitcher that i'm most excited about based on their production you could talk about a guy like irvin santana and what he's done so far right and he's been incredible. He's had a little blip, you know, recently where he's not pitching as well. Jason Vargas has been extremely efficient with what he's done this season. I do think you won that bet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, was it Vargas that we had the bet, bet on? It was Vargas and Urias. Yeah. So Julio Urias versus Jason Vargas, uh, highest on the player rater for the entire season. Um, you know, Phil and I made the bet. Um, I kind of, you know, roped him into taking the bet after Vargas had you, already you started. You did need a win. Yeah, I, I, I did need one because <laughs> I, I took a, a pretty bad hit, hit on, uh, I think, the Gallo one where I said he'd hit 215. Yeah. 220? Well, there's that one. Yeah, so I, yeah, I've had several bets that I got my butt kicked on. So I needed that one, but, so I definitely took advantage of... He's 12-3, and three, a 262 ERA, a 115 whip. Just, he's been methodical and just keeping hitters at bay. I mean, granted, he against Seattle, he got lit up. But those... He's won seven of his last eight decisions before that game. And a lot of his value, I mean, if you're looking at like, you know, kind of player rare value, which is what we're looking at for today's podcast. If you're looking at value, a lot of his value is roped up in those wins. Oh, yeah. You know, obviously his his numbers look good. His 115 whip is is elite in today's today's game. It 262 ERA is great. His Ks aren't, you know, phenomenal. It's 78 yeah. for the season. He's not going to be one of those guys that even comes close close to 200 Ks, um, but you don't really need him to. He's, you know, he's been extremely valuable for those who have picked him up. And if you stuck with him, you've, you know, you've benefited quite a bit. Now, another one that's been huge in the win category, Alex Wood. You know, Alex Wood is, again, one of those four guys that I'm most excited about. So you talk about Wood, you talk about Robbie Ray, you talk about Severino. Um, and who's that fourth guy on that list? I guess you could say maybe Lance McCullers. For guys that have broken out this season, who I don't think are going away. I do think he's here to stay as long as he can stay healthy. He's got one of the best ground ball rates in baseball, and he's got enough swing and miss to continue to really produce. And that's just a deadly combination. When you look at guys who has like a Keiko-like ground ball rate and can still strike out 10 batters per nine, I, don't, I mean, he's on a team that's going to give him good run production. He's going to you know, yeah. give you a decent amount of wins. You know, I don't know how deep he's going to go into ball games. He's probably going to hit a little bit of fatigue like most of those guys we just talked about. You know, Ray's probably going to hit some fatigue. McCullers is probably definitely going to hit some oh, fatigue. Yeah. Uh, but going into next year's drafts, it's those guys, those four guys that I'm most excited about owning because I think they have the best potential moving forward. You know, in today's game where I think dominant starting pitchers have kind of taken over and separated themselves from the pack, you have like the top 15 or top 20 starters. And really, it's more like the top 15. Oh, for sure. Where if you almost have to own, you know, one or two of those guys. If you don't, you can't do the thing that I used to do several years ago where you just go out and you you pick up seven or eight or even 10 waiver wire guys and you hope five of them make it and five of them don't. You drop the five and kind of right. funnel out. You can't do that anymore. You have to own, you know, like at least one. One or two of the top 15 and then you gotta from, have some studs and then from there you can kind of fill it out you can kind of do it's um, guys that'll just get you by yeah. they get you enough counting stats you can kind of pick and choose this guy's got a lot of k's i can go with that this guy's got a low whip doesn't do much in the k department and you can kind of play around with the rest of them to fill out your stat lineup but you yeah but you can't punt starting pitcher anymore you just no. can't do it you have to own and in a lot, of, a lot of leagues this year, I owned a lot of Max Scherzer because he was injured coming into the, the season. And so he was a little bit coming on a little bit of a discount. And so I owned a lot of shares of Max Scherzer. And it's, I mean, you look at the top three, it's a three-headed monster of that group right there. Oh, you have yeah. Kershaw, Scherzer, and Sale. And I think you can make a case for any one of those three like the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, you could. Um, there was a big uh, MLB or MLB network kind of put out a tweet. They were like, who's the new starting pitcher, like the number one in? In Major League Baseball right now because is it Kershaw still or is Sale overtaking him? See, or, and I, I think if Scherzer you are right there, if you talk about like in the last like 30 days, Scherzer's probably been the best pitcher in the last 30 days. Well, 
let's just uh, test that theory. Last 30 days, Kershaw's still sitting number one. Yeah, see, and he's he's the guy that you want to bet on like next season in draft. So if the, if the season ended today at the All-Star break, I'm taking Kershaw number one out of those three. Yes. But I don't think... It's not a big step down. It's not a big step down. So and, and, and actually, to be honest with you, and we kind of did a mock draft in a couple episodes ago, and if I was given the opportunity, what I would do is I would just wait until one or two of those were off the board, and I would take the third one. Oh, it, yeah. If I was sitting there on the turn and I had the chance where I was a middle pick, like a five, you know, a five pick where I had 10 picks in between or 12 picks in between, whatever it is, I would definitely wait and wait and wait. Okay, Kershaw goes off the board. Okay, I'm going to wait a little bit. Okay, here comes Scherzer off the board. All right, well, I better take Sale. Well, or if Sale comes off the board that, first. That fire sale mentality that as soon as somebody takes a starting pitcher, the next two or three guys are going to be starting pitchers. So I would probably wait until the first one's off the board and then and then probably wait and end up with either the second or the third of that group. And you know what? Next year's draft and redrafts, I'm going to do the same thing at shortstop. I'm going to take the fifth Agreed. of that pack. I'm not going to take the first one off the board, which means I probably won't own Seager. I'll probably won't own, own I'll probably own either Lindor or Machado or Trey Turner, and I'll be happy with either one of those three guys because one of those guys is going to go at number 12, and one of those guys is going to go at number 26. And oh, I'm yeah. going to take the one at 26, and I'm going to take Votto at 12. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, any what kind of bust do we have at starting pitching this year? Well, I think you don't have to look very far until you start looking at Tanaka. A very valid point. Tanaka, up until a few weeks ago, was battling Judge for the most home runs for the Yankees. <laughs> most home runs given up versus... Yeah, I hit. think uh, Tanaka had given up 22, and I think uh, Judge had hit 23. Three and since then he's kind of run away with it, which is you know pretty good for Tanaka. But it was a pace that uh, the Yankees weren't necessarily keeping track of, but I was. And the weird thing about Tanaka is you kind of want to buy low into what he's doing, but he had such a good spring training and he's come out and he got lit up his first outing and it hasn't really let up. His home runs have been just an absolute you know disaster. And so he's one of those guys where if you need, if you're in fifth place right now and you need to make big wholesale moves to make a run for this thing, you're going to have to buy low on guys like Tanaka. You're going to have to buy low on guys like Carlos, no, don't buy low on Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, you're Carlos have, Martinez, maybe. Maybe. You know, you're going to have to find some guys to buy low on. And I think Tanaka, Cueto, Verlander, they all fit into that class where they've they've been kind of atrocious this year. Verlander has got a 1.5 whip. Yeah, he's been pretty hittable this year. And Lots of walks, too. He's at the highest walk rate of his career. And it's just... So, you know, th- those are guys where I think if you need to take a flyer, you know, and sell high on a guy to try and buy low on somebody else to try and shake your roster up... I could see all those guys have a proven track record to produce, and it could take an all-star break to kind of readjust, maybe you know heal some of those blisters for Cueto and stuff like that, maybe reset. Um, you know, Maybe Kate Upton can get uh, Justin Verlander's mind right a little bit in the all-star break, and he can come back right. and – Throw some throw some darts, but uh, you know those are guys that have been extremely disappointing. But uh, you know maybe if you need to make wholesale changes, you can buy low on those guys. All right, I do have to mention a guy that is only sixty four percent owned, but has been sneaky good in the whip, and it has led to his wins and his ERA are low. But he's also got strikeout potential, and it is somebody I know fairly well. I grew up with the kid, like I played this kid in Little League, Dan Straley for the Marlins. Like he was kind, of, he was he was on three different teams last year within a week. 
he's been sneaky good this year. Just and, and dang good with doesn't allow a lot of hits, and he's managing his walks. And part of the reason why I think my philosophy has changed with starting pitchers is that exact reason. So I want to get a guy like Kershaw, like Scherzer, like Sale. I kind of want to buy in, similar like I did this year, on a proven guy coming off a bad season, like Grinky. Oh, right. Um, some of those guys, maybe like, uh, who's another guy that had maybe a bad season? But I want to find some some deals like that. Maybe like Archer was a decent buy low in, in drafts this year. Hasn't really produced that much. But I want to find some deals. And then after that, I think I'm pretty comfortable filling out the rest of my roster with guys like Jason Vargas, like Irving Santana, like Dan Straley, guys that are going to virtually come out of nowhere that are like Avon Nova. You know, Gio Gonzalez is having a really good season, you know, kind of out of, out of nowhere. Jimmy Nelson. So I think going into next year's drafts and maybe the rest of the season, if I could kind of build my perfect staff, it would look like one or two aces, one or two buy low candidates, and some young, really good up-and-coming pitchers who I think you can buy relatively cheap, um, guys like Clevenger for the oh, Indians, yeah. who who have enough potential to where, you know, you're not going to spend a whole lot of money buying on Clevenger right now. Um, if you buy him, you pick him up, he pitches well. Um, Sean Newcomb's another one of those guys. He had a, a couple, three or four really good starts, and he's gotten, you know, beat around pretty good in his last start or two. But I want my last two or three rotation spots to be guys like that that have a lot of upside to where, I, you know, I can kind of ride the, the hot streaks and if they pull an Alex Wood and come out of nowhere, great. You're, you're happy to own him oh, the yeah. rest of the season. Or if they do a Jason Vargas. You know, I, I want to play, be really active in the waiver wire as far as starting pitchers go. Well, and also if they pull the opposite and go just tank. You can just you drop can just them. Drop them. Yep. Well, that has pretty much been our mid-season review. And I'm sure people are not going to agree with us. So if you don't agree with us, tweet at us. Let us know that you're angry, which is what Twitter <laughs> is great for. Uh, let us know where you would draft some of these guys or if you've got a better argument for some of these guys that we were down on like try to convince us to the opposite like hit us up at fan front office uh, hit up keith at fantasy underscore keith hit up myself at front office chair you got phil at the baseball jedi and of course todd at goalie happens hopefully we can get him back off the dl real quick yeah, and that, you know what honestly that's kind of the the most fun that we've had this year is kind of hearing from you guys um, not all of the feedback has to be positive feedback. Um, we prefer that if you leave the negative feedback, it's in our inbox and not on uh, iTunes. Um, so definitely get out there. Leave us some five-star reviews. We really appreciate it. Um, we love to hear from you guys. So like Jeremy says, reach out and uh, tell us what you agree and disagree with. We'll uh, be happy to kind of chat baseball with you guys. Sweet. Until next week, we have been the Fantasy Front Office. <laughs>